Flying Coach is back for a second season. Peter Schrager and Rams head coach Sean McVay are joined by guests from around the sports and entertainment world. They're discussing the latest NFL news, telling stories from their careers, and breaking down games from their unique perspectives. Check out Flying Coach Season 2 on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. What's up, everybody? You're about to hear the latest episode of The Answer. Sirit and I recorded before two really crucial things happened. One, JaVale McGee is an Olympian. That's a world we live in. So JaVale McGee is going to be replacing, uh, taking one of the roster spots opened up by Kevin Love and Bradley Beal, dropping off of the Olympic teams for various reasons. When Sierra and I recorded, we were speculating about who could possibly take that spot. It's going to be Keldon Johnson and JaVale McGee. I don't know if you gave me a million guesses. I don't think I would have come up with JaVale McGee. So enjoy that segment of the podcast where we speculate about whether Kevin Herter might have been a good pick. And then one other note, we talk about Damian Lillard and a possible trade request that's being reported that could be coming down the line in a couple of days. Uh, Dame talked to Chris Haynes today for Yahoo, and um, I would not say he offered much clarity on his situation, but he certainly didn't say, I'm in Portland for my entire career. Let's get this done together. There's a lot of talk about accountability and getting better and feeling like the team's not good enough. So I would not feel great about that if I was a Portland Trailblazers fan. Dame Lillard could be on the move. We don't know. If it's going to happen, I think it might happen soon because of the draft, and Sierra and I talked about that. So let's get into the answer. Hello, and welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. It's The Answer. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm joined by Sierra. So you are here to ask the question, what else is happening in the NBA besides the NBA Finals? We'll talk some finals later. Uh, game 5 coming up on Saturday, but this is Friday, July 16th, and we woke up, and we looked at the internet, the cool parts of the internet. And there was a ton of news, Sirit. Yes, we sifted through the muck. This was like an old school, like we were just talking about, Holly. This was an old school day where you like get on real GM message boards and just read about some NBA, some NBA comings and goings. Yeah, it was kind of a strange day in that like I logged on and I actually immediately found what I needed to know today. So <laughs> I have... <laughs> It's always nice. It's always nice when you can have a day where you go through the luxury of not figuring out what's happening in the rest of the world as well. <laughs> yeah, it's like tough too because like like if you're an NBA writer, you will like often like refer to Twitter because it's the most like quickly breaking source of news. Like that's where it first shows up. But often you will see a trending topic and it'll be like Lillard, and then you'll be like, oh god, what happened? And click on it, and then it's a hundred thousand tweets saying why is Damian Lillard trending, and then there's a couple of like 
you know, Bulgarian highlight sites that have like Dame highlights from two playoffs ago. And then finally you find out yeah. what we find out today, which is that Henry Abbott is reporting that Damian Lillard is going to request a trade in the coming days. Uh, Sir, when you see that, how much, how credulous are you about that? It, it feels like it has some cred. I, I, yeah. Obviously this, yeah, this has been, it seems like this has been something that's in the tea leaves for a while now. So I guess like, while we wait for the stamp or like for him to actually do it, I don't know. It, I'm still processing all of this. So I think let's start with the Sixers since we, we are oh, lucky God. enough to have you here. <laughs> We're lucky enough to have you here. As a Sixers fan, when you woke up this morning and found out that Dame, Dale Millard uh, might really be on the trade block, uh, what kind of things were going through your mind? Do you, are you, have you already been on the trade machine yet or no? I have. I have been on mm -hmm. the trade machine. You know, as a as a boy growing up in Philadelphia, really like the 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 ceiling for my dreams of CJ McCollum and maybe Robert Covington coming back for Ben Simmons, if that was going to be the trade, it really was like hard for me to imagine that this could get screwed up so sideways in Portland that they would be looking at like the possibility of Dame asking for a trade. Now, obviously, like Portland has quite a bit of leverage in this situation. We've seen superstar players ask out of town. And it goes poorly, but they still pretty much get what they want. Like, we've never seen a situation where uh, a guy asks for a trade. Well, in the most more recent years, I mean, where a guy asks for a trade and then the, the GM of that team is like, cool, I'm going to send you to Oklahoma because that's the best package. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's almost it's almost strange how like these these trade requests also then come with like fantasy basketball like ideas of like well let's put them on the Sixers or let's put them on the Knicks or what about the Heat or what about the Lakers or the Warriors and it's like well what about what about like Oklahoma or Orlando who might have like a bunch of pet picks or some young players that could actually revitalize Portland on a long-term basis but as like you know i mean dare to dream right like i mean like i would do pretty much anything it took to get Damian Lillard paired up with Joel Embiid yeah, it's 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 it sounds like it sounds though you're like you're not even allowing yourself to dream yet. It feels like he's oh no he's just like yeah. <laughs> uh, but but they do so yeah. So what we've seen so far, and I get I get why you I get why you're thinking that because what we've seen so far is that insofar as there is a list, uh, it doesn't look like the Sixers are on it. I've seen the Lakers, the Heat, uh, the Knicks, and I think there was well, the Warriors. The Warriors are really interesting. Um, they can probably put together the best package uh they also have like they have Steph Curry who plays a lot like Damian Lillard and I'm not saying you can't have two guys like that on your team I'm just really curious what that would look like and essentially just like you know uh, they stuck out as a very interesting like they made this trade that team would look crazy like crazy good yes. um yeah <laughs> yeah like you bring Clay back you have Steph is that is that like that's just like the Splash Brothers 2.0. The sp like, Splash Triplets. The Splash Triplets, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, you know, if you had asked me about that maybe 18 months ago, and and just, let's just like, and we played this game where we were like, what would Damian Lillard look like on a, on a Warriors team? I would have all sorts of hangups about defense or is there enough ball and yada yada. But I watched the Nets in the playoffs. You know, I, I, I just kind of, I, I'm kind of like, I'm open to the universe telling me that anything is possible in basketball now. <laughs> like, I don't know if we're for, for as much as, you know, maybe the two finals teams 
are uh, traditional in some ways, like in terms of like their interior strength and like they have like a very traditional point guard system and then they have like a superstar who gets volume scoring. Like I'm kind of open to the idea that Dame, Steph and Clay could shoot you out of any bad situation. Yeah, and they also, I think they'd have enough defense as well uh, on the back line. And they also, they have the ultimate connector in Draymond Green as well. I think it'd be a lot of fun. It'd also just be like super spacey just in terms of not only can these guys shoot, they can actually shoot from anywhere on the court. Like it would change, it would change uh, the geometry of the court. And I think you would actually find like somebody like Draymond, for example, probably getting more open layups than ever. Uh, and, and everybody else in the team, too. It would really balance them out because, like, if you like watching the Warriors last year, it was like they needed that clay type. So if they get Dame and clay back, like, it's just, man, like, that would that would bolt them right back into contention and would be, like, a really interesting, I think, I don't know, like, philosophical, I don't know what we want to call it, like, it, it would be it would be like an incredible game. It would. It would be it incredible. Would. It, would. it would just Especially be like, what if you just had right these? Now, right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> we're seeing what just happened. Like you had the ultimate like year of attrition. But like this just kind of it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see how much GMs and and uh, and scouts and stuff like actually care about the results of this season, because a lot of what we're seeing and not to say it's an asterisk or anything. I think every every team has to meet a moment. This moment is about basically being able to like withstand like this is just like can you survive and and on the buck side of it they're also good at making other people very tired so it's a unique year uh if things like just kind of flip back and it was just all offense again like it is in a regular season um i yeah i'd be really interested to see like what a hyper offensive team like like those warriors could do what kind of trade package do you think that dame would command at this point so I think I think for the Warriors, it would be the boat. It would be basically Wiggins, Wiseman, 7 and 14. Or at least that's what I would ask for if I was Portland. Um, you know, I, I, there in Henry's report, he's going to he says that they're going to ask for that. Dame's going to ask for a trade in the next couple of days, according to a source close to Lillard. On one hand, I find that hard to believe because on Monday, Damian Lillard gets on a charter plane to fly to Tokyo for the Olympics. And you would think that generally speaking, guys try to keep the distractions to a minimum, especially if you're playing for somebody like Popovich, who's just like, let's kind of keep focused on the task at hand. On the other hand, basketball moves on and like we do have the draft coming up. So the Warriors sitting on these two picks, relatively high picks, um, it would suggest that if something was going to happen, it would happen relatively soon. So I'm kind of like now after this Abbott story, along with the Haynes story, there's too much smoke for there not to be fire. I wonder whether or not there is an even sweeter deal out there for it or what what kind of where Portland is in their like state of like processing that the possibility that Lillard could leave. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Chris. Yeah. Like, what do you what do you think? What do you think the Blazers actually want out of this situation? Right. Like it, it's. That's what makes it really hard to come up with like different scenarios for for him. Like we can kind of throw out everything right now because I don't really know what the Blazers would do from here. Um, like would they just yeah. want to like, you know, get back a, like a Ben Simmons, Seibel, Maxi type of package and then just retool and keep going and keep trying to make the playoffs? Are they going to just have a fire sale after this? Is CJ going to be on the board? Is Nurkic going to be on the board? It's really hard to say. Like. I don't know. They could go in a lot of different directions. I, I, I don't know. I don't know where they're, where they're processing. I mean, in Henry's piece, there's a, a suggestion that Jody Allen would be like ready to sell soon. 
you yeah. know, and that and that that is like another component of the story that we haven't really considered is just the idea that this might not be the same franchise that we've known it because Jody obviously took it over for Paul Allen after his passing. And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, Henry's piece sort of emphasizes this idea that whoever were to buy the, the Blazers, obviously this is farther down the line, would want this situation taken care of by previous ownership rather than being the person who comes in, buys an NBA team and immediately sells the fran- uh, trades the franchise player. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different things that you might want if you're an owner though like there is also like let's let's not forget that these are billionaires at the end of the day right like i could see somebody saying well like i'll buy the team and dame has a ton of value and he puts fans in the seats and he makes the franchise worth more so we want him here um and i'll try to see if he wants to stay like we'll 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 course correct um there's also the possibility that you know, you might want to buy the team cheap and, you know, not re- really necessarily have a lot of cap on the roster. Or you might want to have a team that can still fill up seats. Like, I think that it's it's hard to, like, again, like, read too much into into what, like, a potential future owner m- might want. Unless Henry knows that there's, like, somebody who wants those specific things. Uh, we're just so early in the process right now in terms of even, like, the idea of Jody Allen selling the Blazers is just, like, that's another thing that's new as well. Like, this, I mean, this franchise could just look completely different. Because I also, I mean, like, I imagine that if you sell the team, I mean, they just they just hired Chauncey. And, yep. oh, by, by the way, while we're here, um, the Oregon Public Radio uh, did a report that, do you see that? I did. It turns yeah. out that maybe the, they didn't the investigate. Blazers shit. independent investigation was <laughs> yeah. yeah right. It was not what yeah. What a shock. I'm I can't believe that. I just I can't. It was I thought it was proprietary, right? So I get it, right? Like That's I just. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. It seemed like so. Like they they went to an F. Uh, the the report said basically that they didn't in their in their thorough investigation of of Chauncey's past and and the sexual assault allegations that they didn't contact the lawyer of the of the victim or the victim herself uh alongside like other people that like pretty much everybody that the uh Oregon Public Radio report that that they contacted were like yeah no the Blazers didn't <laughs> nobody reached out to us it was an FBI a former FBI guy that it seems like is who they use for when they want to scout and find out stuff about players which is not really an investigation. That's just you using your scouting department, which, by the way, not the best, right. not the best scouting department. So I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I mean, I think I think that's that could all kind of fall apart, too. Right. Yeah. Like, is he going to have his job in like 24 hours? Like what is hap- like, you know? No, I mean, if Damian Lillard, before he gets on a plane to Tokyo is just like, by the way, trade me. Like and talk to my agent. We're gonna mm-hmm. get this taken care of. Like you could see a completely different Portland Trailblazers in ten days. Yeah. Or you know they could get this all smoothed out. They could have a come to Jesus talk, mm-hmm. figure it out, and Dame and CJ and everybody else are coming back. And maybe they trade CJ and Covington for Simmons or whatever they do. It, it, a lot of things. Look, one thing that we have learned over the last like twelve years, especially, is lots of stuff happens at Team USA practice. <laughs> yeah, know? it's kind lots of, of stuff it, happens. Best place to be if you're if you're demanding a trade. Actually, I mean, if I'm Neil O'Shea, I'm bricking myself because this is the last the last thing I want is Damian Lillard quarantining with a bunch of other superstars. Well, is it really a you bunch know, anymore? Not, is, that, is that? I mean, were we going that's from true. a bunch? So that's, that's a great segue. <laughs> that's a great segue into the issues plaguing uh, Team USA. And this is really sad too because Bradley Beal is going to miss the Olympics because he's in the health and safety protocols for um, COVID and. 
I have to admit, I was actually quite moved, like the the sort of quotes that were coming up about like coming out from the camp, from from Pop, from Draymond, about how much being on the Olympics team meant to Bradley Beal and how heartbroken he is about it. They all followed this news up with um, Jeremy Grant is going to be in, uh, he, he's quarantining out of like an abundance of caution, I think, because he had had some contact with, I, I assume, Beal. And then this morning on Friday, Kevin Love pulled out of the Team USA uh, for reasons relating to injuries that he's still sort of recovering from. Love was by far the most controversial selection for this Team USA squad. I mean, I, I guess like if you were making the case for him, it was like outside shooting, veteran leadership, you know, been there, done that. But now Team USA is facing the reality that with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and Devin Booker still playing in the NBA Finals, Jeremy Grant in this health and safety protocol and Kevin Love and Bradley Beal off the team, they have like six guys. <laughs> now, there is a huge <laughs> uh, talent pool for them to draw from, presumably, even though there's a lot of superstars who aren't going to be going. But uh, it, it, I guess it's worth noting that Trey Young has already begun the social media campaign to be included. Uh, and there's talk of Tobias Harris uh, joining the team, although T Toby is apparently out of the country right now. So Team USA it, it needs some, some American guys. he is. God. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, six guys is enough to win an NBA championship. So, it's like, yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, what do you have? You been gotten a chance to watch any of the international like the warmups? This Not week? a lot. Not a lot. I mean, I'm seeing I'm seeing everybody that's kind of that's kind of freaking out about it. Um, seeing like also Duncan Robinson might be a guy that that potentially could replace Bradley Beal. This really sucks for Beal because. Like, he's not in a winning scenario right now. And the thing that I think that players like that really benefit from in, in these Team USA settings is, like, see, seeing how a coach, like, pop operates and just seeing, like, oh, this is, like, this is state-of-the-art and this is how, like, teams actually work if they want to get to the promised land. Um, and it's, like, it's actually, like, very informative for players that haven't really necessarily had that experience. But I think, like, this actually, because, like, obviously there is a, there are a ton of American players that could that could join this team and and it would all probably end up being okay. Um, I say that as somebody who has not been watching, by the way, just to be completely clear. As a Canadian, it, I, I'm still buying into American exceptionalism through through, through absolute <laughs> ignorance of, of the situation at hand. The reason I was asking is I was wondering if you had maybe seen anything from the course of the first couple of games, which have been pretty much abject failures with the exception of the Argentina game, to be like, oh, what they need is this person. And because that's why everybody is like, they need Trey. They need a creator and a shooter. Um, I know this is nuts, but I would actually, after watching what he did in the playoffs and understanding that they need somebody who's maybe going to be a 10th, 11 guy, is maybe Kevin Herter? I like that. Just I just because like his ability to, do, to sort of get his own shot, but also be a, a secondary playmaker might work. Hey, like just do a package deal. Bring the two, the Hawks backcourt in. Yeah. So like, let me ask you this. Like, first of all, why is why is Trey Young like uh, why does he have to lobby? Shouldn't it just be like, That's hey, Trey Young, you, you want to be like, oh, you want to be on Team USA? Like, here is your jersey. Like, when can we send the plane? Can you get here right now? Like, why does he have to lobby? <laughs> Here's my argument against Trey Young is that I don't know if you've been following along on social media, but like definitely like the prevailing sentiment coming out of these games is like cry more, you guys, because they're not getting the calls that they typically do in the mm, NBA. Yeah. Like the FIBA refs are just letting them play. And getting calls is a very important part of Trey Young's game. Yes, obviously. 
obviously. <laughs> so I wonder whether or not there's a little bit of trepidation to be like, if this guy is actually not going to get to the line that much or not as much, mm -hmm. or a lot of his tricks might not work. I'm not saying Trey Young isn't like amazing. I'm just saying if that's a huge component of his game and the FIBA refs are like, not today, it'll be, I don't know if maybe they, they're just like, hey, we need somebody who's like a little bit, who's got like, other components of their game other than that, which he does, but I'm just saying that's a huge part of it. Yeah, but I mean, I think he could just be, he could just be such a good playmaker for them, probably. Uh, probably. Uh, no, uh, yeah, he'd obviously have to adjust, and it seems like everybody on Team USA would have to adjust, but I mean, look, this is Trey Young, and he, he is like one of the most intuitive basketball players ever, um, and it sounds like they need a connector, so... I would I I don't have an issue with like going with a guy that can like pass out of pretty much any trap and you know get to the rim at will and is also like you know has like the toughness to to withstand the hits like I think he would be able to be one of the guys that that adjusts to the fact that they're that they're not necessarily getting the calls that they're used to here that's really funny though I saw some of the tweets about that um I think it might be good practice for the, the Team USA players, especially like coming into a season where the rules are going to change anyways. Like you might as well just get a yeah. jump on it and get some of these games in where, where you already like figure out what this is going to look like. Uh, well, Devin Booker's getting experience on the other hand, the other side, because yeah. he's just like, no, nobody calls this on me. <laughs> yeah. Taking dudes out. yeah, just playing playing at the Pfizer Forum and being guarded by PJ Tucker and Drew Holiday and Giannis and, and pretty much everybody else in the team is pretty much enough for him. But before before we yeah. go to go to the Suns, like I think it'd be interesting to think about like some more young guys that Team USA could be good for, you know? Uh, just like that experience. Like maybe, like, Herter is actually a great one. Herter's a great one because he's on that precipice of like maybe he could be a star one day. I'm um, trying to think. I mean, was Brandon Ingram in the, in the like, the larger pool, guys? He was. Let me, let me pull up the, the pool. So here are the guys that are on the select team. Uh, Sadiq Bey, Miles Bridges, Anthony Edwards, Darius Garland, Ty Halliburton, Ooh, I would love to see Ty, Ty oh, Halliburton. Come on. Yeah. We just answered our own question. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Hero, John Jenkins, Keldon Johnson, who uh, Woj just reported might get, uh, might get pulled up. Um, Josh McGetty, Dakota Mathias, Emmanuel Quickly, Nas Reed, Cam Reynolds, Isaiah Stewart, Obi Toppin, PJ Washington, and Patrick Williams. I would love to see Patrick Williams in that setting, too. That would be cool. Yeah, I think probably, I mean, like, I, if Pop goes Keldon Johnson, I guess he knows best, but that is, like, real Spurs Spurs favoritism. I, I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, though. Like, I think that that's the right choice. I mean, Pop can do whatever the fuck he wants at this point. Um, <laughs> but I think, I mean, a guy like Patrick Williams would be really interesting to see there because, like, he plays for the Chicago Bulls. I would also love to see, like, Pop with more rookies. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would just be a fun thing to put him through. <laughs> he essentially setting. is doing that with the Spurs now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Tyler Hero would be interesting. I would love to just see him in a Team USA jersey. Um, yeah, I like I like this this idea, especially Ty Halliburton too. Another guy who doesn't play for a great franchise in the Kings, um, and clearly like you know has a lot of potential to be a star one day. Like, this could be really good for somebody like him, too. Anthony Edwards as well. This could be cool. This could be cool. Also, a lot of these guys aren't going to be uh, aren't going to be available anytime soon. So, so I mean, like the, that's true. The, the, so they wouldn't have to worry about their like heads getting turned while they're on Team USA and joining the net. The nets. Yeah, at least not for like um, another like seven or eight years. Like you'd really you'd have to plant those seeds really early here. Just to put a bow on all of our non-finals talk before we get into uh, NBA finals observations, uh, I will mention that we are hitting like the um, 
the conspiracy theory level of Simmons trade rumors. Like yesterday I saw uh, unconfirmed video of several like Lamborghinis being loaded into the back of a truck that reportedly belonged to Simmons and that like he was, he was selling his Philly area house. Uh, Mark Stein a couple of days ago reported that a couple of teams have reached out to the Sixers to see it was the Kings, the Pacers, the Wolves, and the Cavs are known suitors. And Stein also reports that Toronto is also said to have expressed interest and more teams will emerge. So I don't know. You you kind of see these two, you can kind of see the the the, the offseason kind of developing in front of our eyes. If this if this Lillard thing turns out to be real, or if he does request a trade, if he makes that quick trade request public and puts pressure on the Blazers, the Simmons thing. The Sixers have not gone out of their way to tamp down the idea that they're not looking in, you know, that they're looking into ways to improve the team. I think I've also seen a kind of counter narrative start to emerge from certain sectors of Philly Twitter that's like, actually, Simmons is not that bad. So I was kind of assuming that that would happen because they got eliminated in the second round. There was enough time to pass, enough time would elapse that people would start to talk themselves back into Simmons. I certainly am open to that. I'm open to that happening because. I just don't want to see the Sixers get some crap package that has like a pick swap and two like okay players. What? Yeah. What, what's what's your internal monologue on that right now? Like, what? How would you feel if if uh, if Simmons was Th- back? that? There would need to be like a real like um, almost like like a weird like group therapy in 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 the press going on where like there was like an acknowledgement on Simmons's part that like something went really wrong during the playoffs. And that, like, that he will really will like start to work on his on his shot and start to introduce different elements to his game. And that, like, I think you would actually need Embiid and Rivers on the t- on on board because those were the guys who came out after after the Sixers were eliminated against the Hawks and were like basically like we lost because of because of the way Ben played. I think they almost kind of did that therapy session, um, or they they opened up the potential of it uh, with I think. Doc said something along the lines of like, we we're going to help him and we know how to help him. And even Ben, when he was doing his exit interview, he just talked about how he needed to get right mentally. So, you know, I think if there is an acknowledgement that there is something going on there and they do legitimately want to fix it, um, then. Then I think, like, why not? Right. Um, I don't know how much of that is actually possible in this setting. Like, I think in these scenarios, sometimes you just want to, like, get away from the situation. I also think that, like, you know, Embiid and and Simmons after that, like, you're right. They probably, like, you know, they're going to have to sit down with ESPN, right? Like, maybe just do, maybe, (laughs) you know, maybe, maybe just do, like, one of those interviews where, like, they're both side by side trying to find a way to to crack jokes together. The Jada Pinkett red table. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to they're gonna have to really share. Um, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about uh, the a very, very important game five, which is on Saturday night. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for five dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. 
But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Okay, we're back. Sarah, I know that you went on Bill's pod and you, and you, uh, you, you emptied the notebook. So people should definitely check, check you out on Bill's pod with Jackie. Mac talking about the finals. I was just wondering if you had any, um, I don't know, any like general feelings going into game five. Do you think it's basically, um, I, I have like a feeling when it's, it's for the Bucks, like I was wondering about this because I was just coming out of the Euro tournament. So like, and the Euro soccer tournament and watching how different managers manage their teams through the tournament itself and decided when to sort of press the gas and when to hit the brakes and how to, how to like kind of adjust through that. And, you know, we've been watching like Giannis pull himself out of games. He's obviously like a little bit tired at certain points and he's also playing like at a historic level. But if you're Bud and you're the Bucks, do you go for broke and try to end this in six? Yeah, I think you have to. Yeah, you have to. I think uh, I mean, it's I'm of two minds about this. Um, obviously, you want to try to win at home um, and that would be their opportunity in the sixth game. But uh they haven't really been able to, like, they have to win this game five on the road in order to do that, um, which would show that they're able to win on the road. You know what I mean? Uh, which we just don't, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. It's just, I'm, I'm not sure that any any of it makes sense yeah. anymore. Yeah. I do. I mean, I, I, I picked Suns in seven and I'm starting to, I'm still going to hang on to it because I do think home court advantage is really important in this series. But I am starting to think that, like, the longer this series goes, though, the more it favors the Bucks because they are just putting the hurt on the Suns, man. Like, it's just, I I got exhausted in the third quarter just watching Drew Holiday play defense on Chris Paul and, like, watching Giannis make help side rotations. That was even before the block, which was, like, symbolic, I think, of of what the Bucks have done this season, which is just, like, take take this idea that offense is better than defense and have Giannis just say, no, actually, I can be two places at once, so it's all good, guys. Like, I can I can rotate to the rim and close out on your corner shooters, and, and Drew can do that, too, and PJ can do that, too. And that's just, that's really difficult to, to withstand over the course of a seven-game series. I do think they'll get a little bit more zip, um, the ball in general at home, the Suns will, and hopefully get a couple more role players involved, but... Yeah, like I just I feel like the longer this series goes, like the more the more it favors the Bucks. So I actually like maybe let's flip this. Do the Suns have to win in six? Like, do the Suns have to That's win? That's really on the interesting. Road? I I think that they can't. I, so the big question to me is just at the end of Game Four, it just looked like Chris Paul couldn't use his left hand. Like it just did look like something had happened, and I think it was his left hand. And it just seemed like every time he tried to cross over, that big turnover happened when he tried to switch 
switch hands with his dribble, and it just looked like his left hand could not control the ball. It looked a lot like that game, too, he had against the Lakers. Yeah, and, and like, so he has been banged up throughout these playoffs and over and over again seems to be able to, like, rise to the occasion and come back when his team needs him. He has been giving, you know, he has been playing more minutes than he usually plays. He has been scoring more than he typically does. He has been giving, like, the Suns everything he's got. He obviously understands the opportunity he has here, and I'm sure you would basically need to chop his hand off to get him, like, to to have him not play. But that being said, like, if Chris Paul can't go left at all, like, I think that this is a shorter series than we're thinking. If I'm the Suns, though, like, I, I like my chances in a Game 7 at home. Me too. You know, and... And that's and that's the thing. I I'm just curious whether or not like Bud has to make any kind of like if there's a gamble involved. I know that we like we and I don't mean gamble as a, as a replacement for adjustments like we usually do on the <laughs> show. I mean gamble like do you push guys to the max in Game Five to try and steal one from Phoenix and then go home and win it where your role players typically play a lot better. In fact, most everybody plays a lot better in Milwaukee except for Giannis who just plays great everywhere. Or do you, or do you kind of like, sort of manage it the way you would any other game or any other finals game, I guess, yeah. and accept the fact that it's a best of three yeah. series? How would you, how would you go about doing that if you're Bud? I don't know. I would just honestly like whatever it took, whatever prayers or or like spells needed to be cast to get Holiday upwards of forty percent from the field. <laughs> I would, I would, I would say them. I would cast them. I would bring in any kind of like spiritual consultants you needed. I don't know. It, mm-hmm. To me, it's like. Holiday is the difference between them winning and losing on the road. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Like, ho- so Holiday, Holiday to me is kind of playing the, I'm, ca- I'm going to call it like, without the playmaking, like a hybrid Draymond slash uh, uh, Roberson, Andre Roberson role. Um, oh my God. He's, he's like, he's not necessarily doing like the Andre Roberson role by design, he just happens to be missing no. his shots and probably shooting more than Ro- Roberson uh, ever, ever really shot. Uh, but no, and, and that, that's to say that I think his role in this series is just going to be to be the defensive guy. Like the, we just talked about Chris Paul, like all of the stuff that is happening to Chris Paul is happening a because of his injuries, obviously, but also because Drew is the absolute worst guy you want to be going against when you have injuries, when you're Chris Paul, when you just don't have the length against him, and he can actually like. He makes ball protection for everybody hard. Um, even yeah. a guy like Chris Paul, even a guy like Devin Booker, who has also like become become a, a lot more careful with the ball. Um, and like that's just that's just really difficult to withstand. And he's 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 picking him up full court. He's just doing everything that he can. Um, so I think I think the Bucks are kind of already playing that style, and they were playing that style on the road of uh, just like giving it everything that they, that they have. I just. I'm curious to see whether that defense will travel. And like they always say defense travels, right? But it just it just didn't in the first two games. And the Bucks win with their defense. I'm I'm curious to see if it'll travel. And then if it does, is there anything that the Suns can actually do about it? Like how many of these errors are just unforced? Is it is it like fatigue though? I I mean, I'm honestly like at this point, like it's almost hard to see the chess move because they're simply running out of pieces. Like they're yeah. just out of guys. And so that there's not like this, there's no magic rat, like there's no rabbits to pull out of a hat. It's like he's got the this these six and a half, seven dudes he can play. I it, it's funny how we've seen over the, over the course of the playoffs, we've lost a lot of really big superstar players, but it's the role players going out that actually seems to throw off the chemistry as much as anything else. It's the Dario Saric, it's the Dante DiVincenzo, it's the Danny Green, it's those guys who are like kind of 
yeah, you wouldn't notice them in a box score and maybe they don't swing a game, but the minutes that they play have like a ripple effect on the other guys on the team. And I almost wonder whether the lack of front court depth right now is kind of catching up with the Suns a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as soon as Dario went out, that front court just really thinned out. And then you've also seen Tory Craig. Uh, he got hurt and then came back. Uh, Cam Johnson, I think it looked like it, it was an, it was a turned ankle and then he came back. Um, and, you know, Crowder, then you had the eight in foul trouble in, in game three. That just really, really exposed how 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 bad their depth could be uh, in the front court. We had the Kaminsky minutes in game three, which were just an absolute nightmare. The Kaminsky Glad- and Teague minutes need to be put on like a like a Bezos rocket and sent into <laughs> outer space. I don't I don't want to think about the fact that Jeff Teague and Frank Kaminsky are playing finals. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always funny what you get out of like a play, uh, out of players like that, too. Like on the ro- like it was just that was really really ugly for for him there and we didn't see him in game four maybe we'll see him at home I do think that the Suns have a little bit more to give on offense and that they that than they have um uh, Bridges was 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 really good uh at yeah at home um I think him being back home and Aiton being back home this might be a good game to try to get those guys going get them more involved uh, I think a, a couple more post-ups I think Add some things in game five that will help you in game six in terms of like, I don't think they can play like the beautiful game on the road against the Bucks defense. Like that, that just plays right into their hands. That's when the turnovers start. Like that's, that's when you get in the passing lanes. And that's also like, that's when you get the transition opportunities that the, that the Suns can't do anything about. Like they had a lot of plays uh, where they just like, they weren't really boxing out appropriately. I also think like, you know, is that a measure of fatigue? Um, and they weren't getting back, but they also had some where it's just like, yeah, if you're going to get in the passing lane at the top of the court, Chris Paul is not going to outrun Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday with a running start. They just don't have that guy that can, you know, go coast to coast. Uh, so slow it down a little bit and see if you can get Aiton going in the post, Mikhail going in the post, maybe even Chris going in the post if he's feeling if he's feeling up to it. Obviously, Devin Booker going in the post. Um, they have a lot more than I think they have they have given yet i love this you're just such a traditionalist you're just like let's yeah. bring let's bring the the 80s jazz back no it's man. like a to, modern post offense like you know like <laughs> <laughs> no, <I> know. <laughs> yeah they just they, they need easier opportunities at the basket they just need to they need to find a way to get that they shot 54 percent from from mid-range in in game four and they still didn't win the game um it, they haven't been getting their corner threes uh they haven't been getting to the rim they only had 18 percent of their shots at the rim um that's just that's like I, I said on Bill's pod, but like it's just it's not tenable. Like you just can't run offense that way, especially when you're going to get outshot. Like you're, you can they can clean up on the offensive rebounds um, and they should never like they should never have a 17 to five disparity again like they did. Uh, but I don't think that they're going to win the board. So they have to win somewhere. So like that's just that's one of the things I've just been thinking about in terms of like what the Suns could do. Can I tell you uh, a non-basketball uh observation I have about the NBA finals that I I just want to get on the record here. I'm all good. I think Bill mentioned this on his pod with Ryan. So I appreciate him seeding this. Uh, Like I would honestly rather listen to Vuvuzela's than watch Suns fans do the free throw counting thing. What is Vuvuzela? Like we're going to get to get to that. What is Vuvuzela's? From the, remember from the World Cup in South Africa, the that sounds like it was like the horns that mm. they had at the in the stands mm-hmm. and it basically makes like a buzzing bee sound but it, like when a hundred or a thousand of them are going it, it drives you out of your mind mm-hmm. i'd rather listen to that than cut away to some dude wearing the like 
the sun's mm-hmm. version of the it's always sunny green man outfit counting wow. down Giannis's free throw attempts. Wow. Of all you'd the things rather, in you'd the rather NBA torture finals, your ears than than watch other humans, other human beings just you know be be joyful. It, after after what they're we've all been, been joyful, they're, they're being, being lifeguards. They're, they're saying, they're, "Have you?" I just read an article about collecting they're saying no running on the side of the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm enjoying. No, this. here's the thing: the the issue with these games in the playoffs is not like whether or not Giannis is taking 12 seconds. It's the fact that we have 47 stoppages of play in the last two minutes to judge whether or not. Some quantum leap took place between the ball touching campaign's finger or another guy's finger. Like that that's the reason why these games feel slow. Giannis can take as much time as he wants at the free throw because usually he's there because six dudes tried to attack him as he was going up to the to the rim. And it's just like I for some reason I feel like the when they when this whole thing started, I was like, that's amusing that they're counting. And now it has become like one of the sort of takeaway images I will have from the playoffs is these is other fans counting to 10 on Giannis. And it's like, this is not actually a thing. Like, like there are other sports that are super slow. There are other parts of the NBA that are really slow. Like let Giannis take 12 seconds. Nobody cares. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think that they are protesting the, you know, the, the way that replay review has has ruined the game. Um, I like it. I like it. I like Giannis's reaction to it. Him just being like, "Yeah, you got to find a way to make it fun." Like just a whole bunch of people in the arena booing me while I work on my work on my biggest weakness in in the. So, will you support me if I dress up like Ben Franklin and go to a Nets game and start counting how many steps Harden takes? You had me at Ben Franklin. <laughs> I think you should dress up. You should dress up as as like the ghost of J- James Naismith and do that. Yeah, yeah, and then talk about how this is ruining my the, the purity of the game, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we actually just came up with a new segment. Okay. All right. Chris Ryan as Ben Franklin or James Naismith. We'll 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 maybe put a poll up on Twitter and see what people say. I don't want to look at the responses to that to that Twitter poll. Sarah, anything else you want to hit before we get out of here? Um, let me think. No, I think we pretty much I think we pretty much hit everything. Um no, well well one thing we actually should I we should talk about is you mentioned this in the rundown. Um we haven't had a fight. Oh yeah, we haven't. So, had this a fight is my yet. other big complaint. This is my big complaint: is that we haven't had a Draymond crotch strike. We haven't had LeBron and D Wade making fun of Dirk being sick. Like we haven't had like a extracurricular thing that comes onto the court, like and like kind of changes the complexion of the finals. Like every finals needs a red wedding. Yeah, you know we need to get like we need to get a little drama going, and the closest we get is Crowder and Portis. Do these two teams like respect each other too much? They're too happy to be there. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's that. Maybe it's that. It is it's surprising though. Like this is a Chris Paul team. Uh, you got PJ Tucker on the other end, Bobby Portis, like you mentioned. Uh, also Devin Booker. Devin Booker, known to known to be at the at the front of a lot of a, a, a lot of squabbles. Very loyal there guy, a, a fighter. The you know yeah. There's definitely some guys out there. I mean, Crowder is due. I want what I want, you know, like there was a a play in the Atlanta Philly series where like Trey Young was dribbling, like going down court full speed and just threw on the parking brake and Dwight Howard, like, like essentially hurdled him, but like, like collided with him at like full speed as, as Trey just stopped short. Somebody's got to do that in this, in this series. I'm, I'm looking at Chris Paul, like Chris Paul needs to get into his, shitlord bag 
and really like gum it up. If things are going wrong in game six, like he has got to throw a ball at a guy's crotch. Like we need it for the culture. What if, what if like they just changed, like what if, okay, let's say, let's say Chris and his left hand are just not feeling great and they play him off the ball and they just tell him, go be the most annoying you can be. Like, don't even worry about, <laughs> don't worry about running the offense. Like we'll play you off the ball for the most part. Like Booker, you know, he's, he is ready to, he's played point guard in, his, in in Chris Paul's absence. And, you know, when he's off, like we can, we can give the ball to campaign who also, I mean, campaign is, is due for a big game. It's like the stage yeah. is very, very much set for campaign to have a big game five. Um, yeah, I think I think I like the idea of okay, now you are just gonna play the role of like the free safety defender slash like just nuisance. Like the, any so opportunity you want, that you, you want get, like the point guy yeah. to be Patrick Beverly. Yeah, I think he can channel some of that. I think he can channel some of that. I love Chris Paul at his most annoying. Um it's like it's actually become quite endearing to me. Uh just because it's like I'm He'll do anything it takes. And I don't mean that in the cliche, like he'll do anything it takes. Like, but like no, he'll this do dude anything it will takes. literally do anything, anything. Yeah. And that's like that is the injection I need into into these finals. Because like there isn't really a Patrick Beverly on the other side with the Bucks. Like the Bucks defenders are like, they're serious professionals. Like they're not yeah. they're not getting into the sun's head because like they're just they're incrementally doing it on every possession. Like they don't need to find a dramatic moment to, to make it happen. It's just like, it's just kind of wearing on them over and over again as they just, they're just doing their jobs, you know? Like I would like to see if Chris Paul can be annoying enough to turn, to get into one of those guys' heads. I think- yeah, to see if like, can you get a rise out of Drew Holiday? I don't think, yo man, Drew's like, like that's the thing, like Drew, Drew and Chris Middleton both, like I just, I just, even Giannis, like, I just picture them, you know, on a beach with a straw hat and a toothpick. I said this about Middleton, but I'm realizing this is just kind of the vibe of the entire team. Like, yeah. they they are very intense, but like, can you annoy them? Maybe Bobby Portis? Like, he seems like he might have, a, like, they all have an edge to them that they've really balanced out. Bobby Portis might might be the one guy that is not quite there, but I don't even know. Like... I don't know. It seems like maybe not. He's been in these scenarios a couple times now and like brought positive energy and not really let it like get get negative. So we'll see. I know. I I think the takeaway from this entire NBA finals is has Bobby Porter's gotten soft. <laughs> and it's Chris That's and it's it's Chris Paul who will have the answer and that will be the topic of the answer next week. <laughs> That's right. Uh Sarah, thanks so much for joining me. Everybody enjoy your weekend, enjoy game five, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> 